It's just Elon Musk. Promare was gays blow up SpaceX. That's all it was. It's just Elon Musk. In Kill a Kill, it's Lady Elon Musk. Like, I... Who's, like, obsessed with fashion. So maybe it's Grimes. Maybe maybe it's Grimes in Kill a Kill. I literally... It's just Elon Musk. <laughs> the next studio trigger villain is gonna be, like, <laughs> X3587. Oh, Hashtag you know poor me. Poor baby. Oh. That poor baby. I hope he that grows kid. up normal. He's not. I know, but I can pray. Oh, what a shame. Welcome to Mortified, the Friendship Quest, a podcast where two long-distance friends bounce media recommendations, all in hopes the other will like it. I'm Aaron. And I'm looking for a sad social worker father to marry. And this week, we celebrate our one-year podcast anniversary by revisiting Studio Trigger's 2020 anime, Brand New Animal. Before we tear God in half for our respective adopted teenage daughters, remember you can help us on Mortified, the Legitimacy Quest, By subscribing to us on YouTube, iTunes, or Spotify, signing up for our monthly newsletter through the link in our show notes, or following us on Twitter at MortifiedPod. Uh, Layla, uh, congratulations. We've been doing this podcast for a year. We have been mandating a conversation almost every week for a year. This is episode 47, I believe, which doesn't count the two episodes we, we did not release, um, so that's pretty good. We haven't, mi- we've missed like what, like basically three and we, we skipped two. That's, that's fairly consistent. That's not bad. I mean, I don't even count the ones where we took off for like a legitimate holiday. Yeah, like <laughs> holidays and, you know, uh, yeah. political unrest. So yeah. Uh, <laughs> we've been through fucking chaos together you know and every week we we come back and we talk about the dumbest shit we can think of and i think that's very heroic of us i think we do deserve a medal i was listening to um <laughs> last last week i was listening to our first episode in preparation for this and i was like oh my god i said i said on air like oh you know realistically because i'm gonna be a real serious health man i think this covid thing's probably gonna be like four months long uh, <laughs> my poor sweet <laughs> poor sweet innocent Aaron uh, I don't, honestly I can't even tell you how long I thought it was going to be I think though once I started hearing like people panic estimating a year I kind of believed it not in a panic way but I was like no with this administration and the way things are going a year actually sounds kind of right huh and I like yeah. mentally steeled myself not that it helped I I <laughs> I go through cycles of becoming unhinged, but uh, you know, we're we we're, our our friendship is stronger. My calves are certainly stronger. <laughs> uh, you are married now. <laughs> That's a thing that happened in quarantine. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, that's one of the good things that happened in twenty twenty. Um, you know, it, it's been it's been a lot. Um, yeah. you know, initially I. I started this podcast with you because like, I was like, I feel like I don't speak very well. I feel like I stutter a lot. And I think that over the course of the past year, this regular conversational 
you know, mandate has, has really helped with that. Um, so I do appreciate um, that. I mean, it's a lot cheaper than speech therapy. So appreciate that. Yes, it's also a lot cheaper than regular therapy. <laughs> it has also served something of a therapeutic function, uh, as we're going to discuss later on in this episode. Yeah, um, definitely. But yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, hey, I, I mean, I, I feel like I say this, maybe not enough, but it's just nice to, like, have a friend who is very funny and smart and, like, get to talk to them once a week. It's just, like, a good, fun experience for me. I have few talents in this world, but, like, picking people is one of them, and it's just, like, it's been nice to speak to you every week and to also, like, bring you into, like, my wider friend circle and to meet some of your friends. Like, it's been great. I feel like it feels less like a one-off internet friendship and more like a, like a, like a genuine friendship, you know, like a real... I make you suffer through Full Metal Alchemist friendship. <laughs> I mean, like, that's if 2020 has taught us anything, it's that things that happen on the internet are just as real as the things that happen uh, in the real world. And I think that's something we should be proud of, the fact that we've been able to consistently show up for each other, um, even if it's only, you know, once a, once a week for an hour. We also, you know, do genuinely put a lot of work into this podcast. So, like... Uh, it's it's a testament to the fact that it's it's nice to have people even if you've never met them in your lives. Um, so thank you for your friendship, Layla. Um, and you know, I I look forward to however many more episodes we've got in us. <laughs> oh, for real. And as you say, uh, work we put into this podcast. I remember that I prepared the newsletter a week ago and never hit send. So <laughs> remind me to do that after we record. Sounds good. Sign up for our newsletter. Uh, yes, <laughs> go it's to good. Go to our link tree. It's funny. It's good. It's short. Anyway, Aaron, we watched Brand New Animal or BNA, which is a play on DNA, which is just fun. Uh, do you care to summarize this uh, 12 episode series for us? Um, yeah, it's basically Animorphs meets Beastars. Basically, there is, I think it's just this island off the coast of Japan um, called Anima City. And everyone who lives there is a beast man. That's the terminology the the movies or the series uses. And it means that they can, there are humanoid people. They, they look like humans, but they can transform into animals. Um, you know, and they, they come from all sorts of animals. Uh, the, the main weird one is that there's a man who is a shark, but also he just like jet walks around and doesn't live in the water, which is cool of him. Uh, but like, yeah, everybody's an animal, um, and it follows the story of Michiru, who is who is a human who got what the show calls Beast Man Itis, which means that she transformed from a human into a Beast Man, uh, and she doesn't know how, but suddenly that's just what happened, and she has to flee to Anima City because Beast Men are persecuted by humans. Humans, there's like a whole anti Beast Man faction that just like hates Beast Men and they wants to kill them. So Omichiro flees to Anima City and just starts to become integrated into the society. She meets Shiro, the, you know, weird cop detective who um, is like kind of the unofficial guardian of, of the Beastmen. Uh, the mayor, um, she starts, uh, she becomes a championship level baseball player at one point. Um, and she also has to grapple with the fact that her um, basically girlfriend is also got Beastman-itis and is, is dealing with that in her own way. And the series follows the, the struggles of that. It's, it's pretty quick. You know, each episode's about 22, 25 minutes and 
there's only 12 episodes, so it's a real quick watch. Um, but yeah, it's it's a fun show. I mean, if you've listened to Studio or watched anything by Studio Trigger, you'd understand like it's the, the animation's incredible. It's very fun. There's a lot of big bombastic sequences. Uh, it really was a lot of fun to watch. Okay, follow up question. Uh, did you like it? Yeah, I liked it definitely. Um, you know, like it was colorful. The characters were really good. Um, we'll talk about Shiro, obviously, but he was really nice. Um, Michiru is, you know, my favorite kind of like plucky but kind of dumb anime antagonist. And then like a bunch of weirder characters, like the thief mink, um, the shark gangster, uh, who's <laughs> just a mobster. <laughs> um, the the team of baseball players who are literally who are just like the the bears. Because they're all bears, and like that could be a joke about the Chicago Cubs being a bad baseball team, but um, they also like get like completely murdered by a bunch of evil flamingos. There's a lot of weird, just like fun character uh, work being done in this series, so I did I did enjoy it. That that being said, we'll talk about some of the the very obvious hangups that I have with it in a second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. some 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 choices were definitely made i I won't disagree but yeah okay so let's do our usual kind of run through the characters michiru obviously a fucking angel plucky anime protagonist do you have anything to add on michiru there i don't know she's great um she is a tanuki uh which is basically like a a raccoon but they i guess in japan there's like a different it's a different kind of species uh than like what we in the states would know as a raccoon but for american listeners it, she's a raccoon, but also she can, like, transform parts of her body into different animals, which is wild. It's a power she gets later on. Don't worry about it. Nature um, <laughs> is great. I love her. She's great. I love when she learns how to fly, because it's literally everything she does is just through, like, tenacity and willpower. She needs to stretch her arms. She just keeps talking about stretching her arms, and she turns into Elasta Michiru. <laughs> and then, you know, she wants to fly because she has to rescue her sad wolf dad, and guess what? Wings sprout from her flappy little arms while she's falling to her death. And uh, for that, we love her. I love that her and Shiro, Shiro are like unstoppable force meets immovable object. Like, they're both such polar extremes of like, humans are awful, and then like, everyone's great, and they have to kind of battle it out all the time, but they change each other for the better. I think it's nice. It's a nice father-daughter story, and there were moments where I was like, Studio Trigger, are you trying to... What's going on? What's what's the relationship here? I don't... He's her dad. Don't Sashomaru me here. Don't do... Don't Yashihime me. Don't do that to me. And they didn't. She's a tiny lesbian, and that's her sad dog dad. And that's the way <laughs> I like it. Thank you very much. Uh, yes. Um, much to my eternal shame, I was unable to pick out the correct character that Layla loved in this series. Uh, I thought it was going to be one of the Birdmen, uh, just based on Layla's uh, types. But I should have known that before even the Birdman comes a sad dad. Um, and Shiro meets that in, in all aspects. Um, you know, we are going to be talking spoilers here. Um, but uh, Shiro is is not only just the protector of Anima City, but he is also like the ancestor of a thousand-year-old genocide and is like the silver wolf, which is like something of a deity among the Beastmen. Um, he's like a super wolf. Um if you've played one of the latest Pokemon games, uh, he's like one of those legendary wolves. It's, he's really cool. Um, he's if, if Suicune was like a goth social worker. <laughs> essentially. Um, but like one thing that I love about uh, Shiro is that like he, he has the very grumpy like uh, 
I don't understand why you are this way. Like, can't you just like, you know, be quiet sort of archetype, you know, uh, a Sendere of some sorts. Um, but like, he also, the first introduction we get to him is that he, there's this big party in Anima City where all the beastmen are like transformed into, into animals. And uh, Michiru is going around and she's so excited to see everybody. And then she sees, she bumps into Shiro and tears are streaming down his face and he's and then like you don't find out why until like episode 10 but it's like oh he's so happy because all of the beastmen are having such a good time and i was like oh sure you big softy i love you you big dumb goth dad he is he's a big dumb goth dad and i really like it when he throws fists for his daughter that's like that's just like a great moment in time for me like yeah just go ahead and tear literal god in half for your child yeah it will we'll get to tearing god in half um the mayor is the person that shiro technically works for she was the first uh beast man to earn a doctorate and is also um it's revealed later the subject of nazi uh experimentation um which i was not prepared for (laughs) A lot, of, a lot of anti-Nazi messaging recently, and a lot of a lot of, uh, a lot of films and TV coming out of Japan. Wonder what that's about. I wonder what that could be for America. Um, mm. Anyway, um, <laughs> yeah, the mayor. The mayor is a pretty good character, although I do feel like she is a little bit naive. Uh, when like she gets tricked by the Japanese prime minister about like, and, and also Alan about their true intentions when like. You know, there's a big evil pharmaceutical company right in the middle of your city. It's like, come on, Mayor, you know that's the bad guys, right? You gotta know. Um, it's it's a blonde, bespoke-suited man who's surrounded by hexagons in a studio trigger production, ma'am. That's your villain. Oh, I can't. Mm, well... We have to hold off on the te- hexagon Tenkok. Um, <laughs> uh, there's Nazuna, who is like uh, Michiru's essentially girlfriend. It's not technically canon, but like there's a lot of like you know romantic actions that they they do. Um, it's that Studio Trigger like plausible deniability canon. You know, it's it's that like they're they're not like we didn't say they were gay, but like. Wink. You know, it's it's very winky. The thing that triggers Nazuna's Beastman transformation originally is when Michiru is, like, grabbing her hands. Like, that that was the first thing that, that sparked that spike of emotion that turned her into a Beastman. So, like, you know, they're, they're not... They're not saying it, but they're saying it. Um, but Nazuna's whole thing is that she wants to be, like, a pop star. Um, an idol is, is the word that, that they use. Um... And I don't, can you explain this I'm an idol forwards and back thing? Oh, yeah. So her name is, is uh, oh my God, what is it called? When when the anagram, is it? When the I think so, is, yeah. Where does the same thing? So in Japanese, the characters are syllables. So it's na, zu, na. And it's it's the same backwards also. It's just cute. So her whole thing is like, I'm Nazuna. I'm an idol forwards and back. And it's she just like a pose. It's really cute. I really like her. I think she's fun. Uh, she is fun. She does eventually become, she is also, she becomes, she pretends to be the silver wolf because she can do um, some, like a super transformation too, because she has, um, she also has beastmanitis, which lets you do that. Um, and like, she becomes this religious figure uh, that is like 
technically the head of the Church of the Silver Wolf. She has um, a dalliance with being a cult leader, I think. Is <laughs> yeah, you're not wrong. Um, but whom among us, right? Yeah, uh, you're right. They have uniforms. I just, it's fun. It's great. Um, I do like the fact that um, this is now the second uh, media property you've introduced me to in which um, a religious figure turns into a pop idol. Uh, the first being Final Fantasy X2. <laughs> Oh my god, did you not know Yuna becomes a pop idol in Final Fantasy X2? Uh, not until you told me about it a couple of years ago, and I was like, huh, it's fucked oh, up. Oh, <laughs> listeners. Yeah, Final Fantasy X, Yuna's like a priestess, and then on X2, it like opens with a bop. She's performing called Real Emotion. I just re-downloaded um, the remaster. I'm very excited to get into that. But yeah, no, uh, any, any media where like, your protagonist is unironically a pop idol is just art to me. So. It's incredible. It is. The concert's um, good. The song she sings is fun. The concert mix of that little song they sing together, their little their little theme is mm-hmm. incredible, powerful, moving. It's great. We love we love lesbians doing a power ballad together. Um, <laughs> then we get our uh, evil guy. His name is Chairman Allen. Um, and then his last name is the pharmaceutical company's last name or name, oh, which Sil- is Silvasta. Silvasta, yes. Uh, Alan Silvasta is the chairman of this uh, evil pharmaceutical company, um, and he is, in some ways, like you know, very obviously telegraphed to be the bad guy. Uh, it turns out that he is actually like uh, a big. He is what they call a, a quote unquote pure blood beast man, which is a lie it just means that he's like a really cool beast man um but like he, he i don't i didn't really understand it because it was in the very last episode but he's a he's a golden three-headed wolf um which is i mean he's cool uh but like his his whole thing is like trying to figure out how to to cure beast man itis or, or like cure like just make beast man humans um and like you know it, it's very much like last season of Kipo, like trying to to turn them back um that's his whole his whole thing he's like kind of a weird racist uh and and, like the thousand year old enemy of shiro uh you know it's interesting i don't think he's like an especially novel villain but i don't think that matters necessarily uh he he's cool he's flashy um and he you you can hate him and that's i think Layla, you described studio triggers um (laughs) villain archetypes best it's elon musk it's just elon musk Promare was gays blow up SpaceX. That's all it was. It's just Elon Musk. In Kill a Kill, it's Lady Elon Musk. Like, I... Who's, like, obsessed with fashion. So maybe it's Grimes. Maybe maybe it's Grimes in Kill a Kill. I literally... It's just Elon Musk. <laughs> the next studio trigger villain is gonna be, like, <laughs> X3587. <laughs> Hashtag oh, you know poor me. Poor baby. Oh. That poor baby. I hope he that grows kid. up normal. He's not. I know, but I can pray. Oh, well, what a shame. Hey, A A twelve or whatever your name is, we're, Ash, we're I think for sure. Ash, hey Ash, we're pulling for you, bud. Hang in we there. We are pulling for you, baby. Just get please. Twitter as soon as you can and start Twitter follow- and therapy. Yeah. <laughs> Oh boy! <laughs> yeah, Jesus Christ! But yeah, uh, it's it's just Elon Musk. It's just it's a it's a megalomaniacal tech entrepreneur with too much money who thinks that he only he and only he is the solution with his power and his money. That's it. That's that's it. It's just Elon Musk. 
Yeah, and you know, to be fair, the last I mean the last couple studio trigger things, like when did Kill the Kill come out? Like what, twenty twenty thirteen. I was close. Twenty thirteen, okay. Like uh, I guess maybe not Kill a Kill, but certainly um BNA and this one. Um I mean, this from, is BNA from Primer <laughs> and BNA. Right. Are are certainly responding to that like era of, you know, uh, Elon Musk's and Jeff Bezos's like rich people trying to go to space because they're they're terrible. Um, so you know, I do appreciate Studio Trigger's willingness to to kind of criticize the rich people in our society, which is nice, I guess. Um, there are some other pretty good characters. Uh, there's a very cool mink thief lady. Uh, we mentioned the shark gangster. Um, there's a Birdman who is also like an anarchist. Um, who, who is fun and, and teaches uh, Mishiru how to fly. Um, but probably the most important side characters are this Bears baseball team, namely their leader, whose name is Jackie. <laughs> Jackie is small and the dumbest creature alive. And she almost got burned at the fucking stake at one point for owing uh, a scalper money on a water filter. Like, And she was just going to accept it. And I think my favorite part was the introduction of this whole baseball arc. The baseball episode in general is just really good. But the introduction of the baseball arc is funny because they're so stupid and they get their ass kicked by these flamingos. And, like, people die in these baseball games. Like, one of their team members got outright murdered. And when Michiru was like, okay, we're going to win, but you can't kill anyone. They were like, what? Why? And she's like, you can't. You can't. It's baseball. You're not supposed to murder anybody in baseball. Like, can we meme them? No. <laughs> Can we seriously injure them? No. Give them a wedgie? No! <laughs> like, no, we're not hurting anybody. And then they just continue to be the dumbest creatures alive. And it is so fucking funny. When we catch up with Jackie after the the cult of the Silver Wolf, or the Church of the Silver Wolf was in their cult, uh, Jackie is eating bread, but she's never seen the center of bread anymore. And she's like, look, it's a crust, but it's got white part in it. I didn't know about the white part. <laughs> Mature walks stupid. by and she's like, Jackie, what are you doing here? And Jackie's like, eating crust. And she's like, You don't know about you you don't know about bread, homie? <laughs> it's like this is the best crust I've ever had. It's so good. Is uh, Jackie is truly excellent. I love her so much. Uh but yeah, I mean like much like any studio triggered property, like even the the like silly characters have like a serious part to play in the end, because like Jackie like legitimately saves lives in the end. <laughs> Yeah, it's pretty wild. Um, it's great. I love them. Uh, um, okay, I think we've reached the part where you could talk about Studio Trigger's uh, the hexagon motifs. <laughs> oh, sure, yeah. Okay, so just really quick. I just think it's funny. Um, Sophie, okay, so I love anime. I, I Give me, like, any opportunity to talk about just how, how, like, visually clever anime is and, like, building its own visual language. Um, but, you know, it's... In the West, Western animation is so monopolized right now that, like, it's hard to do anything, like, truly innovative, like, to the to the level of um, Into the Spider-Verse in feature. Our TV animation's, like, pretty good. But it's hard to find a style that is, like, as distinctive as, like, certain anime studios. And Trigger, Trigger and Ghibli are, like, kind of the big two that you can really recognize visually. 4C also. Um... But so if you watch any studio trigger property, it just goes like this is how they paint it, ready? Right? It's really easy. Um uh, good characters are black and red. Bad characters are yellow and white. Uh and 
everything is a complementary color. So like Kill a Kill did just like really blatant red and blue. Promare and BNA are like cyan and magenta. So there's like a little bit of like an evolution in the complement there. And then um, KLK and Little Witch Academia, the cubes are evil. Cubes are evil. And then it evolved into hexagons for Promare and BNA. So it's just this like very distinctive visual lexicon where like, I feel like their stories are so exaggerated and so fairy tale like that you don't really need subtlety. They really rely on extremes. And it's just funny because like when you meet Alan, you know he's the villain if you've seen any other studio trigger property. Not to mention that at one point he walks by like a beast man lemonade stand and, and the guy's like, this isn't for humans. And Alan's like, I'll still drink it. And then he drinks it, and it's basically like nothing happens to him, even though it's formulated for beastmen. And he's like, "This tastes like shit." <laughs> he's like, "You must be right. It's not made for for humans." And it's like, ah, "No, you're just a beastman. Like you, this isn't even foreshadowing. It's it's just bludgeoning you over the head with the plot." But like, that's fine because it's only twelve episodes. Just like Promare was just a movie, and because Trigger doesn't like these like long drawn out things. It's just exposition dumps. So, like, you need to get hit over the head with it a little bit. I don't know. I just think it's fun. I think it's neat. It is neat. And, you know, I do appreciate an exposition dump from, you know, not even from time to time. I just like it when it's like, hey, here's how the world works. Don't don't try to learn it over over a long period of time. Just like, hey, these are the rules. This is the experience you're going to be have, having. Just strap in. It'll be fun. Trust us. And, you know, they, they do it. They do it a couple exposition dumps over the course of this film, our franchise Series, so, whatever. Series, yeah. <laughs> Pictures move, also sound. Um, anyway, yeah, it was it was good, and I appreciated it. Yeah, it's it's uh, it it makes me really happy. I mean, I I feel like I've made my stance on franchise homework really clear on this podcast, which is to say that if I'm playing your game and I need to read a book to understand a quest, it's you're not doing it. You're you're doing a bad job telling your story. I shouldn't have to do homework. Unless I want extra information. All your core information should be in the thing I am immediately consuming. Um, Which is why I love Studio Trigger. Because they'll just stop everything for like six minutes and be like, so here's the history of Sylvasta Pharmaceuticals. (laughs) Thanks. Now I know. I'm pro-exposition dump. No, I I think we are. We should all aspire to have more exposition dumps in our media. Yeah. I mean, as a person who talks basically in exposition dumps. <laughs> it's just the most efficient way to get your point across. It's just like, hey, you don't know this thing. I'm going to tell you this thing. That's just that's just good communication. Yeah. Yeah. That's how we're going to justify it. <laughs> I'm going to yell that at whatever editor tells me that I can't do that shit in the future. <laughs> oh, fuck yeah. Just, yeah, do that. And I mean, like, okay, so basically the whole Mitru Nazana thing also was delivered in exposition dumps, but in flashbacks, mostly from from Mitru's point of view. And like you mentioned, their romance isn't like, can it? Like, it's not said, but it's very heavily winked at. And like, honestly, I don't particularly mind that in this specific instance, just because they're kids. So like, I don't really, you know, I'm not really out here looking for kids to make out. And it's that, like, studio trigger kid, like, or plausible deniability that I talked about earlier, where, like, they do that, they did it in Kill a Kill, where it ended in Lesbians. Um, I haven't finished Little Witch Academia yet, but, like, Promare's, like, you know, the songs are love songs in the whole soundtrack. Like, it's, I don't know what to... 
I don't know what to tell you if you don't think they're at least a little gay. Like, it's... But they put in, like, a plausible deniability heterosexuality scene. Now, like, in the long term... I'm hoping they'll be able to be a little bit less wink wink and a little bit more nudge nudge about it. You know what I mean? But, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's fine. It's fine. I got the, I got the point. There's a lot of them holding hands and singing together. I'm like, they, they're lesbians, Harold. <laughs> people are lesbians. Um, these people specifically. These two uh, little girls specifically. Um, and we're proud of them. Um, but, um, Infinitely. Okay. We've said a lot of nice things. We should probably talk about the main thing that bummed me out about uh, BNA, which is that they run into the Zootopia problem, which uh, if you've heard anything about Zootopia, uh, you know that it is uh, a Pixar... Or is Zootopia a Pixar or Disney? I don't know. It's it's just Disney. Yeah, mm-hmm. okay. It's a Disney movie that um, talks about... There's a society of animals... And it tries to show you how racism is bad by separating them into predators and prey. And the prey are, you know, herbivores and the predators are carnivores. And, you know, it tries to show how, you know, like people are treated differently because of the way that they are. But the problem is that when you make that a biological, like actual thing, like in in the real world, like where you know foxes do eat rabbits IRL, um, and like you know lions do have big teeth and claws, you know it becomes that the metaphor is a little bit different, right? Um, Brand new animals has the same problem where they. So the the big thing, the big bad ending thing is that Alan is trying to trigger what he calls. It's not Niflheim. <laughs> Nervosil. Nervosil syndrome, which is this reaction when uh, apparently when lots of beastmen congregate together, they have an emotional reaction and they they get quote unquote out of control. They they go berserk and they become big hulked out monsters, which is wild. Uh, <laughs> It's pretty fucking crazy. Um, the first time it happens, it happens to this big rhino who becomes basically a robot. Um, and the only way that, you know, they can bring it down is by Shiro going full god mode. And, like, also Shiro gets impaled at one point and there's so much blood. And I was like, oh, wow. It's, um, this is a different movie, huh? This this series really took a turn. Um, but the introduction of Nervosal Syndrome bummed me out because it's like, okay, there is an inherently problematic element of having all the beast men together which is that they will biologically you know have this reaction and become dangerous and like shiro's whole backstory is like oh you know i thought all the you know the humans killed all of my clan back in the day but um alan tells him no actually it was nervousil syndrome that triggered them all killing each other which sucks in my opinion yeah if i remember (sighs) I should have paid more attention to this exposition dump. I was cleaning uh, and packing my living room while rewatching this. But um, if I remember correctly, he, Alan triggered it on, or Alan's ancestor triggered it on purpose. Yeah. Um, Was he, I think he was leading an army of humans. Yeah. The Sylvestries are basically like if Loki was committed to being evil. Like, they're very chaotic and odd and kind of, like, flashy and showy. But no, like, yeah, it's bad. Like, it's not it's not a great 
it bothered me too, right? So like it's 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 kind of a continuation of the conversation we were having last week when we were talking about uh, taking like scoundrel characters to their logical extreme in a universe where everything else is taken to its logical extreme. It is weird to try to do an allegory about something so nuanced and not really spend the time either polishing it to be a metaphor about race, which like, if you're going to do that, honestly, you sh- you should go full B stars and not even have humans. Um, or distancing it from that and just making it kind of its own thing. But because the story was so kind of non-committal about it being a metaphor or not, it runs into the Zootopia problem in in like a really big, really big way. Yeah, and I mean they did they did do some retconning or not retconning, but like they 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 fixed one of the big like red flags for me, which is like Alan was explaining like oh well only mixed blood. Um, beast men can get nervous syndrome but i since i'm a pure blood i can't get it and i was like are you gonna mm, you're gonna make that canon huh that's a choice that's interesting all, all the mixed race people are you know inherently violent and out of control and thankfully they in the final episode it it's revealed that alan even though he's a quote-unquote pure blood can still get nervous syndrome and i was like oh okay well, that's not so bad, I guess. I mean, I still don't love it, but you know, the fact that they're they're playing with these stereotypes and these tropes, it does it does kind of like you know, raise the the hair on my arms, and I don't love it. Um, but it, you know, I, I'm I'm willing to forgive it because obviously I don't think it was malicious. I think it was just you know, uh, uh, an oversight that should be criticized, but doesn't overall you know tarnish it completely. Um, I, there are there are some things that I do wish they would have dug into deeper, uh, specifically Michiru's like struggle with her identity as as a beast man, right? Because she she goes through the the series like trying to figure out like you know what does it mean to be both a human and a beast man, and like you know at first she's like oh I'm just gonna cure you know this beast man I don't want to be a beast man. Um, and then you know later on when she realizes that she likes being in Anima City and likes all the people she met she she's like yeah no I, I i prefer to stay in this beast form and there's something interesting there right it, it has to do with you know you and i are both members of a diaspora group um which you know there is a lot of struggle with identity and finding out where you fit in and and code switching and i i do wish they had played that more yeah i mean like it's yeah it's, it's one of those things that's like emblematic of studio trigger also they just you know, they graze over a lot of shit. It's, it's, Promare does it, Kill a Kill does it. It's, they, they focus a lot on like short form, punchy, kind of like extreme stories, and they don't necessarily do a lot of digging in. It's like exposition dump, but like not a lot of, they're not very exploratory in their, in their work, which I think is, fine but you do have to be careful about like where that lack of exploration um happens um i think i think again or i think i wrote about it i don't think we talked about it but in one of my essays i talked about like purposeful vagueness where like um if you want a fleshed out world sometimes picking a specific area to say lesson encourages audience participation which is something i think studio trigger kind of like 
is really good at in some instances where like their work is just similar enough to the real world, but they leave just enough blank for you to kind of fill in the gaps yourself. And it gives uh, their really extreme kind of like cartoonish worlds a little bit more grit and realism because it's similar enough, but there's room to project. Um, But sometimes the wrong things are or not the wrong things but but things are left blank that maybe could have been filled in just like a little bit more just to avoid some of this stickiness you know um but that being said i think it is worth saying with a lot of anime and this isn't like sometimes racists will like use this as an excuse to justify there being like no black people in anime or whatever or like just use this as an excuse to like harass black cosplayers for cosplaying anime characters um but we do have to remember that like it is not a point of view we're familiar with you know what i mean like the way japanese people like native Japanese people would talk about multiculturalism and racism might differ from the American point of view. Not to say one is a, is inherently better or worse. It's just something when we, when we talk about criticism, especially in anime, we have to be kind of aware of that it's, we're not having the same conversation. There's always some sort of like translation error and it doesn't, again, it's not an excuse you know, like Full Metal Alchemist does some. I remember there's like a, a black, I think, uh, um, officer in Brotherhood that is not drawn great, kind of drawn in a in a like a minstrel stereotype way. So we have to be aware of of that kind of going in. And I think I think some of this is like a, just a worldview disparity, but um, that isn't necessarily good or bad. But again, it's worth criticizing because when you open your thing up to a global audience you open it up to a global conversation so that's just my my caveat there yeah like obviously there is a history in japan versus the united states there are different histories of the ways that minority groups have been oppressed and um subjugated by the state which don't necessarily align one-on-one you know it, it is what you were saying like it it is different but regardless it, it is still worth pointing out but you know the the fact that uh, the fact that they got so close to to something that I really really thought was profound uh, was nice. Like there's a point right where Shiro is doing his his god howl. Like he he is in his silver wolf form and he's howling and like that howl is what stops all the people who have been triggered by Nervousil syndrome to revert to their norm or not revert but like they they stop fighting and it works for all of the beastmen in Anima City except for Michiru and Nazuna, uh, because they're not technically beastmen. And like that feeling of both being excluded from something that is a part of your community, but also, you know, recognizing that you are not technically a part of this, this group that you've integrated into, like that it's just like classic diaspora shit. <laughs> and, you know, I think that, you know, I would love to see like a whole, a whole six to 12 episode series about that specific thing. Um, it, it's it, listen, it's, we're recording this on Easter Sunday. Uh, I've been having weird feelings about <laughs> my own relationship with my parents and Catholicism and the ways that the, the cultural background that I have is tied up into that. Um, maybe I'm just feeling nostalgic uh, <laughs> this weekend, but 
I, I thought it was interesting. It is, it is, it is a strange thing. And my family has, um, you know, here's me hoping they never listen to this podcast, huh? Uh, my family it used to do Orthodox Easter um, because we are, we come from an Armenian Orthodox background. And I remember growing up, I just kind of had to figure out that there were two Easter's and people just, you know, people at school would do Easter. And then two weeks later, we would do Easter at home. Um, my little brother, though, didn't like that idea. So now we do regular Easter. And it is regular Easter, meaning like, like Catholic, same, same time as the Catholics. Um, and the other non-orthodox denominations <laughs> i don't know any of them i'm not i don't you do ussr imposed atheism I, i'm lacking in my religious you, you background you get a pass for about christianity knowledge if you want real <laughs> christianity knowledge come over to the bible boys we got a lot of talks about vegetables that love god in that one but yeah my knowledge of christianity is wild it's it's incredibly incredibly mixed and comes from from i thought i was jewish for a year we're not even gonna talk about it but um <laughs> Yeah, so it's 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 that, you know, I feel like I've always grown up with the feeling of, of, you know, not being part of the howl. And I think I think using a howl specifically as this gesture is is really powerful because it is like a for wolves in nature. It's like, like a communal act. You know, you, you start a howl and other wolves join in and just like being able to watch what i would consider in this universe like a sacred act but like not being able to do anything but stand in reverence like is really a diaspora feeling and it's so it's funny how like that little moment in like a goof ass show like this will get you you know yeah that is the experience huh yeah sometimes you'll be doing a goof ass thing and you'll get all in your feelings about it one minute it's all Winnie the Pooh's being stabbed to death by flamingos, and then it's unpacking your cultural background <laughs> in the ah! last three minutes of an anime. Yeah, oh man. But it is a good last three minutes. I mean, uh, you know, I, I joked earlier, or I think I slipped it in the intro about tearing God in half for, for your, your kid daughter. But, you know, that's that's what almost happened, is, you know, this, this show, you know, the way it does it is flawed at least but um there is there is this conversation about like nature versus nurture right that they're like hinting at a little bit and multiple times in the series like michiru stops shiro from like doing a murder she stops him from doing a murder in the beginning and then she stops him from doing a murder in the end when he's literally about to tear god in half and then is like my daughter is looking at me and I don't want to be a bad example. So I guess I'm just going to, uh, um... nerf God. <laughs> yeah, I guess I'll just nerf him. Not, not kill him. Huh? That would, Hmm. I don't think she'd like that. If I did that, um, I don't think she would look at me the same brought to you by the man who got like a whiff of, of her maybe getting cured and was like, so are you gonna go Oh, are you gonna leave? And she was like, no. And he's like, oh, thank God. <laughs> Not like I care, but thank God. <laughs> he's very, very, Listen, like he said, Sundere dad. I wouldn't care any other way, but also. <laughs> but also, I'm glad you're saying. Please never leave. I love you so much, my sweet, my sweet baby. <laughs> my sweet adopted daughter. Um, but yeah, I, th I think that uh, these like themes of 
found family and talking about nature versus nurture and and uh, in the last two properties they've they've taken great care not to kill the villain and um it's good stuff it's there's there's good stuff in and sometimes the delivery method is uh unrefined i think is the kind way i'd like to put it mm-hmm. um but it's 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 a good show it's a good 12 episodes you can get through it in an afternoon watch some 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 dad adopting a tanuki with god powers it's great it's good you should you should watch it it's it's you, fun you should watch it. it's a good fucking time uh um, <laughs> But yeah, no, it's. I agree with you. I, th- I think that, yeah, it's uh, the, the, the irksome. There's some things are irksome. I think I'd, I'd, I'd say. Um, in, There's no un, such uh, thing as a perfect mm, show. Mm, mm. If only there were such a thing. Well, there is. It's called Haikyuu. and. Uh, uh yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. And we'll be watching the live action version of that next week. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, we're really retracing our steps. It's been a while since we did the Naruto uh, stage spectacular, and now we're doing uh, the Haikyuu mm-hmm. one. There we go. So it's just great. Everything old is new again. All right. Well, Aaron, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, you can find me on the internet at Aaron SXL. You can listen to the other podcasts I do at the Bible Boys. Uh, we just uh, recorded an episode about um, Heaven is for Real, about uh, a little four-year-old who apparently went to heaven and told his dad all the cool things he saw there. Um, and it wasn't... We came. We hang out with some surprisingly nuanced takes, which I was very proud of us of, and that'll go up on Saturday, so watch out for that. Um, Layla, where can people find you on the internet? I'm at L-E-Y-L-S-C-S on Tumblr, Twitter, and Instagram. Currently not really posting much other than uh, getting really excited about evil hexagons on Twitter uh, because I am moving. So just uh, follow at your own risk. Our theme song is Obsolete by Keshko from the album Filmmaker's Reference Kit Volume 2. Find more of their music at keshko.bandcamp.com. Layla, how do we close out our one-year spectacular? I don't know. Hey, Aaron, what are you doing here? Eaten crust. <laughs> we'll see you all next week.